before and I want to share again that the High Vibe Mindset Podcast, we love all the different range of topics that we cover that really help you live your next level life and that includes mental health and I have several guests that are ADHD experts which I think is amazing because I really think that ADHD is way underdiagnosed and I think it's great to be able to hear from different experts and people who are coming from different communities as well. And so I'm really excited for the guests that we have today. Inger Shea Colsey is a psychotherapist and ADHD leadership coach. She coaches Black women with ADHD and leaders in neurodiverse companies. She's an advocate for Black mental health, providing unique lived experience as a Black woman who also has ADHD. And she's raising a son with ADHD. So in this episode, we're going to talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism. We're going to talk about some of the characteristics of ADHD. And really, she is someone that has so much amazing experience. She helps C-suite executives as well. She is a licensed clinical social worker, and she has so much knowledge in this area. All right. I am so excited for this episode. I am sitting here with Inger Shea. She's a psychotherapist and an ADHD leadership coach. She coaches Black women with ADHD, and she is working with C-suite executive coaches with women who have ADHD, and I'm just excited to dive into this. So Inger, I would love to hear from you. What is ADHD, and what are some of those characteristics of ADHD? Thanks for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, ADHD is one of the things that um, people think they know about, but normally they don't have really great information. Many people think that ADHD is just a kid's disease. It's something that only happens to you when you're a kid, but it's something that, you know, you have, it is a brain-based condition, but it doesn't just end at the end of childhood. I'm a psychotherapist. And when I was in school, we only got about a half of a paragraph about ADHD. And it was mostly about boys falling out of their chairs. So it's very interesting that I don't know what we thought happened when you got to be an adult. But there are different types of of ADHD. There is the hyperactive type, which is what, you know, most people are used to seeing or what they think they see. Little boys falling out of chairs or somebody who's super chatty or somebody who's just kind of all over the place. Many times, like on the internet, I see this a lot like on TikTok where they're like, squirrel. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is it's really interesting when I see that because it's not what I used to think with ADHD. There's also the presentation of the inattentive type mm-hmm. and that a lot of women have inattentive ADHD. The men do also, but for girls, many times like girls are very compliant because that's the way we're kind of raised with girls. But when there's a girl who's really chatty or a girl who's working really hard to get her stuff done and you you don't notice that she's just really working really hard. The anxiety, you know, turns inward. People who are daydreamy, little flighty, that would kind of be the characteristics that define inattentive ADHD. And there's combined types where you have a little bit of both. I have a combined type where sometimes a lot of that, a lot of the hyperness comes out, it will come out in flights of trying to get stuff done or working really hard to try to get these things done. 
moving around a lot or anxiety because so many times you're working so hard to get stuff done that all of that hyperness goes inside. And the inattentive part is the part where maybe you're like disorganized or you can't figure out where to start something or where to end something. Those are uh, the way it kind of manifests with me with a combined type. Okay. Yeah. So in hearing the piece of it's really hard to get stuff done, what is kind of behind that? What are some signs someone might be struggling or having a really hard time to get things done that's different from a neurotypical person? Well, your executive functioning. So your executive functioning, think of it as a brain manager. Think of it like, you know, a manager makes sure that all the different parts, all the different parts of the store, like, are attended to and that they have uh, people attending all the different parts of the store, stocking the shelves, making sure the customers are taken care of. It's the same thing with your brain manager. So your executive functioning takes care of time management, organization, prioritization, motivation, but that's kind of a sticky one. Different things like that, those are the things that, you know, have to be managed in order to have a a good life. And with ADHD, we have lack of dopamine in our frontal prefrontal cortex. And that is the reason why it's hard for our executive functionings to necessarily fire, maybe at the time that other people might think that it should. Or it's really, what's funny, it's kind of wonky where sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. And that's really the perception that people can't get because sometimes they'll be like, well, why can't you just get up and be somewhere on time? Why don't you just get up 10 minutes early? Like we never thought about that. It's, it, there are so many more things that have to do with that. Sometimes like decision-making, but how should I go to bed before? Do I have all my things together to get out of the door? Did I put them back where they need to be? So we're already at prior station organization, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just to get out. Did I, I plan how long it's going to take to get to, you know, maybe my job? You know, did I just plan to get there right at nine o'clock? And then if you're behind that one person, it's a little bit slow, then you're late versus, planning on getting there, you know, just evidence early, being able to kind of plan that out because time is also like a, feels like a continuum. Like it's not really there. So when people, when those things happen, it makes it hard for other people, like neurotypical people, not to kind of understand why you would not just just leave five minutes earlier, right? Because it's just not that simple. So that's like, I use that a lot to explain to people because then it's something that they can really wrap their head around because they all have that friend who's 15 minutes late to everything that they do, no matter what you say. I'm not friend. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, and it's amazing like for us, because many people don't know they have ADHD and you can't figure out why you're Mm -hmm. and it's usually like 17. It's like you're 17 minutes late. And so it doesn't matter what it is, even things you want to do, because it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with all the things that came before that, that you weren't really attending to, that you didn't know you had to attend to. So it's that type of thing that is something that people see, people with ADHD or many people at work, you might see their desk is so unorganized, <laughs> but there's a thing where if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. Like the object permanence thing. Oh, so if yeah. I don't leave my papers out, if I don't leave something out that's supposed to go out, like today I had to run into the mailbox, right? It did, I had to go to the post office. I had to leave it right in first on top of my computer and then right in front of the door or I probably would have forgotten to take it, take it today and it need to go out today. So because it's not there, I could forget, even if I have a list, 
mm-hmm. right? Because then I have to remember to look at the list. <laughs> you need the constant visual cues, which I totally relate to as well. I just listened to an audiobook about organizing your home and all those different clutter styles. And of course, the worst one is the butterfly, <laughs> which is like yeah. they need everything visual everywhere. And so that can get cluttered very quickly, as opposed to the other types where they can, because the butterfly, they, they talked about that. It's like, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. They could mm-hmm. organize it in nice little cubbies and and do everything, but then they're going to forget wh- where it's supposed to go. And then they're just going to put it in the wrong place anyway. So the more visual you can have things, the better. And that makes a lot of sense. I feel like the thing with time management is so unfortunate. And I can relate to, <laughs> to this too. Thank God my current work, I mean, I I do have a, I do have designated work hours, but it's very relaxed. And so I usually can get there, you know, five, 10 minutes late, which I do every single day, no matter how hard I try. But I think that's one of those things that can really hold people back you know, it doesn't seem like a, a typical accommodation for most of the workforce. Are there other things you see like that in when it comes to work or business or things that hold people back and in, in ways that maybe it's not ADHD friendly? Yes. A lot of the world, especially like school, is not set up for people with ADHD. Mm-hmm. it's really set up for people who are neurotypical. So even if they give you the assignment and they say, oh, you have all this time to do it, it's not broken down to little chunks. Or if it's not necessarily totally explained what it is that you want, sometimes we'll give up too much or we won't give enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the workplace, it's really big right now, like ADHD in the workplace. It seems like I'm seeing it everywhere. Did a few talks on that. So think about, like you're saying, time management. If you're late to work, <laughs> Who leaves your job, right? Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many jobs I've lost because of the late. And if you're disorganized, like if you have a lot of things on your desk, then people may assume that your brain's disorganized. Doesn't mean that it is, and not let you lead a team, right? So mm-hmm. if you are in a meeting per se, and they're just giving a meetings that are not great because meetings last too long. Mm-hmm. There's usually a lot of things that have nothing to do with what the actual assignments are. And we may lose focus or we won't really care so much. Or sometimes all that small talk for people with ADHD many times is like so annoying. It's like, let's let's get to the point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you aren't able to make that small talk, how are you kind of associating with a team so much? Sometimes people don't understand you. If you are in a meeting and for me to focus, it's easier if I doodle, right? It's easier if like I have a fidget in my hand right now, only because it makes it easier to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. If I, I only show this because we're, you know, we're talking, but if I was in a meeting, if we were still going to work, you know, I'm work from home now, I can't show that fidget, right? People wouldn't understand why you do that. Or when I, I laugh, cause I used to doodle at school and they'd be like, stop doing where the yeah. best thing for me to do is doodle. It helps to keep me actually engaged in the conversation. So a lot of things that we may, may even do to keep us engaged or to have us be a part of a team are the things that people don't always perceive as something that is team building. Mm-hmm. And when you're out of the tribe, like, you know, we all want to be like, we all need to be a part of the system. And when you're out of it, then you're out of it, right? You don't get to be on teams. You don't get to lead things. People perceive you in ways that, you know, aren't going to be beneficial. And when you feel that way, ostracized, 
and ostracize a lot in society, it doesn't really allow you to move forward and your self-esteem goes down. I, mean, I work with women <laughs> and women who are usually like 40 and up and having to go through that stuff for, you know, many, many years of your life, whether you know you have ADHD or not, many, like I said, many adults don't even know why this is happening. By the time they get to me, their self-esteem is terrible, like down the tube. And when you're a woman, you know, you have misogyny that's going on. And when you're Black, then you've got systemic racism that's going on. You have Mm -hmm. all these things that are barriers in front of you. And, you know, ADHD is the one that people can't see, right? It's the invisible one. So you can't see it per se, but you see it all the time, right? And and people don't understand, you know, what that is and then how that holds you back. And then when your self-esteem goes down the tubes, it's like, it's a vicious circle. So, you know, I'm glad when women get to me because I always say, you're still here, you're still doing things, you're still kicking, as long as you're still here and you're still working at it. That's the grit that's going to help you to get things done and get on the other side. I love that. Yes, I think it's so important. So I think it's so valuable and amazing too and unique that you have the lived experience and that you can work with women and you have been in their shoes and you've had that experience. I'd love to hear from you. What's kind of behind the values for you? What what made you want to go down this path and serve this community? Well, I wasn't diagnosed until I was in my 50s. So it, it's very interesting that when I started to, before kindergarten, before I even went to school, they wanted to hold me back. And my mother said, let her take this test. And no one's passed in 40 years. And they said, okay, so let her take it. And that, so I passed it and I remembered all the questions. So when you go to school and that's how you start, then people expect a lot of you. And when you go to school and people say, well, you you can't sit in your chair, (laughs) it becomes very confusing to everyone. So that's how it began. You know, I got out of high school. Um, I have two great parents that really supported me through everything. I went, I did get to college. I went to an HBCU, shout out to Virginia State. Uh, They took me in and took care of me because my grades were not that good out of high school. And when I went to college, like many kids, it's like falling off a cliff. Any of the supports that you have all go are gone. So you're just there trying to figure out your life and your social life and how to be an adult uh, and make sure things get done. So long story short, it took me eight years to get out of undergrad. Eight years, no break, right? <laughs> no time off. I think it's a feat that I was able to keep my GPA up enough to stay in school, <laughs> but be there for eight years before I got out. And it wasn't until a teacher pulled me aside as sometimes with ADHD, you just don't want to do what other people are telling you to do because somewhere in my mind, (laughs) and I had a class where you had to wear like a white lab coat and come in and learn something I thought was ridiculous. And I took that class three times and the woman who ran the class one day said, come here. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, what? And she was like, what are you doing? I was like, what do you mean? What am I doing? So I showed up in my regular street clothes again. And she was like, you know, you got to take past this class to get out of here. And I was like, I do. She's like, I have my degree. You don't have yours. I see such potential in you. They don't understand why you're just fighting it. Mm-hmm. Like you just have to sometimes go with it. And even as a woman who did not like me, I appreciate her to this day because she was one of the people that really looked at me. So I see so much in you. And how are you going to figure this out? And then I began to be able to figure it out. So I got my girlfriend to type my papers 
because I can't type. So I write, I'm old enough to type typewriter. (laughs) (laughs) And I would uh, ask her to type them at the last minute, but she would type them because she was trying to help me out. I would get friends together to study because I knew if I had a study group, I would do better. Little did I know when people are together, working together, it fires off a part of your brain that helps you to get things done. Think about when everybody would go to Starbucks and bring their computers to work. Mm-hmm. I see a big boom with co-working now, but back then I didn't know what co-working was. It's just something I figured out to be able to get out of school. And so leading into those strengths and the support of my parents that just kept paying for me to go to school. Fast forward into all the jobs I, I lost. I decided to go to cosmetology school before I went to law school. And then I never went to law school. I love cosmetology. And I worked in the salon for over 25 years. Wow. In the midst of that 25 years, it's funny because so many people age me like, I've had all these job changes. But when I got there, I felt welcome. I little did I know I moved around with a lot of different people, different stories. Um, I got work with my hands and I was very successful. But at some point I decided, I think I might want to do something else. And then I went back to school and got my graduate degree. And I was working at salon, had my graduate degree. And oops, when I went to school, I got pregnant. <laughs> um, so I never thought I was going to get pregnant. So I got pregnant. So I was pregnant during all that time with a newborn. And so when I had all this stuff going on, I was able to get through grad school on time. <laughs> wow. So it was one day of class. It was the day that I had my son. So <laughs> it goes to show when you have the right motivation, right? When it's something you're really interested in, which for us, we have an interest-based attention span, how you can really be successful. So I had a practice, still worked as a salon, you know, as a mom and about fifth grade as a teacher said, well, maybe your son could get evaluated. And I was like, okay. But when they evaluated him and they gave, you know, all those rating scales, then I was checking them off. I was like, that's me. That's me. I was like, oh my God, that is me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really get a chance to do anything about it because I had to spend all my time taking care of him, like making sure that he was okay in school because they would see in school mostly a black boy, a behavior problem versus how the ADHD was affecting him. Yep. So, you know, I had to spend a lot of time taking care of him and making sure he was taken care of. It wasn't for me until one day I started losing words. And I was psychotherapist. And I was like, crap, like what's going on? Do I have early onset Alzheimer's? But come to find out a lot of women when they go through menopause will lose their words. And it's because of the ADHD. Like the ADHD will affect that. And that's when I decided to get diagnosed and get medication and really work on myself. I happened to get a chance after that to do some work with a coach at the ADHD, um, they have a big conference that was in Philly. And when I went to the conference and I worked with this coach, because I didn't even know they had ADHD coaching, what I noticed is there were no other coaches of color there. Every coach there was white or a lot of males, and they weren't there to be able to serve people of color. And I decided that that needed to be taken care of. And that's kind of, that is how I got into working with Black people, especially black, uh, black women with ADHD. So yeah. that's that story in a nutshell. <laughs> and it's been quite a ride and it's been really successful. I'm also starting a association for Black ADHD coaches, the International Association of Black ADHD Coaches. 
so that the coaches that are out there, we can all find each other. If you want a coach that looks like you, you can find one and be able to provide scholarships for people who want to become a coach and for people who need coaching. Are you looking to elevate your client experience to the next level? Whether you're in the wellness, photography, or mental health worlds, imagine the impact of offering your client a truly unique and memorable gift that supports them on a personal level. Introducing the Custom Affirmation Card Decks by Soleya. Our custom affirmation decks are designed to empower and inspire your clients, leaving a lasting impression that strengthens your professional relationship. So picture this. Your own branded affirmation cards beautifully crafted with imagery that reflects your brand's essence. These card decks serve as more than just a gift. They become a daily reminder of your commitment to your client's well-being and success. Whether you're a life coach, yoga instructor, therapist, or photographer, your custom card deck supports your client's personal growth even when they're not in a session with you. So why settle for generic gifts like candles or pens? when you can create something truly transformational and beautiful. With Soleil's custom affirmation cards, you can tailor every aspect to align with your brand identity and the values that you stand for. And this process is easy for you. We do all the heavy lifting from design to ordering. Simply choose your affirmations, select the imagery, and add your logo and branding elements. We'll take care of the rest, delivering a high-quality, personalized product. Join the ranks of leading wellness, photography, and mental health professionals who are elevating their client experience with custom affirmation card decks from Soleya. Visit our website today at soleya.co slash custom to learn more and start creating your own unforgettable client gifts. That's soleya.co slash custom. And I'll spell it out for you. S-O-U-L-E-A dot C-O forward slash C-U-S-T-O-M. Together, let's inspire positivity and empower transformation one affirmation at a time. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, so we definitely need to put that in the show notes, any information with that. And I think it's so important and it makes such a difference. I work in the eating disorder space. And when you have people who are able to, rather than just kind of having a vague, all the eating disorders and anybody, right. And it's tough. People want to be with their age group. They want to be able to be with their specific eating disorder, or they just want to find community, right? They want to be able, it's like the more niche you can get and the more you can be with your community and learn from other people who have similar experiences. I think that is so critical and important. Yeah. Being able to find that community. Like, I think it's great to be, just get as much community as you can, right? So it's great to be able to learn in more general terms and everything, but also when you're able to kind of niche down and you're able to find your space and your people and your community, that makes a really big difference. And I think that's awesome that you provide that service for people. And I think we need more of that. So I think that's awesome. And I want to ask you in your experience, personal or in your work, what have you noticed have been some of the major themes of people who have ADHD and maybe they're not even aware they have ADHD 
that come up for them that really impact their mental health? Well, ADHD rarely, we say it rarely rides alone. There's usually it rides with different, like I still use co-occurring conditions because I feel like that's something that people can kind of grasp where depression, anxiety, sometimes OCD, you know, things like that can occasionally bipolar. They can run with ADHD. I have found being a therapist, interestingly enough, what they would normally have us do was to treat something like the anxiety or depression first and the ADHD would be second. I have found that if I treat them together or if I treat a little more of the ADHD, it helps so much with like depression or anxiety. Kids with ADHD, I do believe it's, they get, I think it's 12,000 more negative messages before they, no, 20,000 more messages before they age 12. So that, again, like I said, affects your self-esteem, which of course would give you depression. And if you don't know that you're, you can't, the reason why sometimes you don't get something done on time, or if it's just even not knowing why you're going to get fired from how many jobs, because you're being late, right? <laughs> then that, of course, will, could give you anxiety trying to be there on time. I know people with ADHD, the anxiety is so high, that's why they're on time. Or, you know, depressed because they have lost so many jobs and what are they going to do? So it affects your mental health in that way. And when you have these other conditions, to be able to manage them. It's unfortunate that a lot of people, especially people of color, just really have a problem recognizing that health, mental health is health, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to take care of your mental health is what's going to allow you to have a really great life. And you can have a really great life with mental health conditions. You can definitely have a really great life with ADHD. And ADHD is like a, it's a brain-based condition. So it has to do with the amount of dopamine and our friend, our prefrontal cortex is a lot of brain science. I have my, my model of my brain right here, but for having people know that it's real, right? So for a lot of people, they don't think it's real. They don't think it's real or their family doesn't think it's real. <laughs> Definitely workplaces don't think it's real. Uh, it's covered by the ADA, but you know, many people ask, should I disclose? I said, you need to know your workplace because if you disclose some people, even with that, they won't understand. And you know, it could cause you more, more grief than the help even with the ADA. So, you know, it all depends. I know some people just want to be able to say, I have this and you have to accommodate me. But I've just found through my years that sometimes just to help people to understand, right, when you're doing things, like, again, and maybe if you have a messy desk and somebody says something, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, some of my ADHD, I need to see everything. Because for me, ADHD is just like I have brown hair and like brown skin, like I have ADHD, but for other people, they don't know. I also say a lot of women, we do so much, right? We're women, we're expected to do so much. We take care of our families, our jobs, some of the community like so many things that we're always doing, 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 doing. And we're trying to do all that with ADHD. So there's shame involved. There's shame if your house is clutter, right? There's shame sometimes if trying to do everything you can't get, your dinner on the table for your family, it's fast food again or pizza again, you know, things like that where people may look at you like, oh, you're doing that again. I'll never forget when I bought Rice Krispie treats in the box, took them out of the box and rewrapped them in plastic. (laughs) because I felt like I needed to look like they were made from home. Mm. Why? (laughs) There's that feeling, right? And the shame that, you know, I'm not saying I'm working a couple jobs, but I'm trying to take care of my kids. And, you know, I say it's like, you feel like you're on the hamster wheel from hell, trying Mm -hmm. to manage all these things. And it looks 
dress looked good on the surface, looked great on the surface. Underneath, I was paddling like hell and feeling like if I stop and put something down, everything's going to fall down. But if I keep doing the struggling act, like I'm going to, I'm not going to make it. And a lot of women come to me like that, you know, the overwhelm that comes with it, the shame that comes with it. And shame, I mean, shame actually kills. It yeah. really does. And the overwhelm can have you laying in bed in a depressive episode, like, you know, you wouldn't believe. So, you know, it's just really important for people to know. And I think important for people to get treatment, like whatever treatment they would like to get. Yeah. And I definitely want to talk about the treatment and some of the top kind of routines, practices, recommendations you have, but I was just thinking about it. So you're painting such a great picture of what it feels like to have ADHD and how it can show up. What would it be like? What do you think are the ADHD superpowers? Because I feel like obviously people with ADHD are different, right? And so that can show up in a lot of ways that can make them feel like they're having a harder time in different situations or feel like they're behind in some ways or lacking the executive functioning that can impact things. But what have you noticed have been maybe the benefits of having ADHD? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) And I will tell you so many times I do interviews and that's never asked. So I actually really appreciate that. Because there are benefits, there are superpowers. I mean, the thing about ADHD is before like the industrial revolution, a lot of people, you know, ADHD was revered because we were the people that said, what's over those mountains? Like, what would that be? Or, oh, you know, we can't kind of figure out like what, how we're going to, you know, get through a big problem because we have really great divergent thinking. We can think about a way to get through a problem and very quickly. So I know all my friends, it's, if they're in a jam, they'll call me because they know A, I'll come running and B, I'll, I'll have the answer. Yeah. And so we did a lot of that. And then we got to the industrial revolution. It's like, oh no, we need you to sit in a chair in school and learn so you can get out and work. Oh. And that's what we're not good at. So the divergent thinking we're really good at. We're fast on our feet. Like I said, we have really great ideas. We can usually see the big picture. I was just mentioning today to a client. It's like, look at Elon Musk, right? <laughs> Or the other people that are making these rockets? Who said that they could do that? Nobody. (laughs) And they don't even have to know how to do it, but they have the idea and they get other people to help them do it. Even the way like Simone Biles was flying through the air. Who can think of all the things that she could do? Mm -hmm. And it's because there's that kind, that large picture thinking that people with ADHD have. We're actually really great and loyal friends. There seems to be like an empathy gene that comes with ADHD. So we're loyal and we have a, like a sense of right or wrong where, you know, many of the people that I know are doing things in the communities that they feel important about. Like we really want to make an impact. Mm-hmm. It, it just becomes really important and we will be able to work, you know, some you can use hyper-focus as a superpower. You got to watch it. Like, you know, you don't want to use it all the time, but sometimes we can get some things done in a manner that other people could not get things done. I really, I don't know what my life would be without it, but I wouldn't want to know because again, I, I know that that's the reason why I can get through situations because I've always had to, because I've had the ADHD. It's allowed me to be able to not be afraid and to just get over humps and not always have to power through, but figure out ways to do that and take people with me. Those are some of the superpowers that I see and the ones that I'm able to help my clients see 
And, you know, it's that thing where you can just see yourself, right? Sometimes it's a reflection in the mirror. And once they can see who they are and accept that we don't have to do it the way that other people do it, I think that that's the most important thing. You figure out the way that you do it and do it best. You can, people really skyrocket and have such great lives. There are so many people that I'm sure everybody knows that has ADHD. They might not know they have ADHD, but it's your friend that's like a little different <laughs> or does things <laughs> a little differently, but does yeah. all these things that are so great. And you're like, that's probably your friend with ADHD. Yeah. Like super learners or super adventurous or super fun and just on and on, right? And can really have the vision. I I, I see so many amazing traits with it, but I also see where th- there can be so many stumbling blocks or things that kind of, you know, make the person with ADHD feel like, oh, I, why can't I do this thing that everyone else around me can do so easily? And this is so difficult or draining. So what would you say are some of those specific treatments that you would recommend or that could work? I know maybe everyone's different, but what are, what can someone do if they find out that they have ADHD? What's next? Well, I think it's sometimes it's a privilege. I will say that everybody can get a proper diagnosis. So I'm not saying this, uh, without realizing that it is a privilege to be able to get a proper diagnosis. But if you can, to get one makes it, I think, so much easier. I, I see so many people out here, especially on TikTok, doing their own diagnosis, which I'm not totally against. But a lot of times the information you get is not the correct information. So you might not, you're not doing yourself a service at times. Mm-hmm. But after you've got it, gotten a correct diagnosis, so the first thing they're going to suggest is medication. There's a stimulant, there's non-stimulant, and you know, and there's other medications. The stimulants aren't going to rev you up like that because since we don't have the dopamine, it's just providing something that we need to be able to just get that part of our brain going, right? So, you know, I just want to be clear about that. But not everybody can take them and not in, not everybody chooses to take them. And I think it's like 20% of the population where they don't work anyway. Then besides that, things that people do, diet. Exercise, I think, is key, like moving your yourself around a lot. Many people do meditation or yoga. Those things are helpful. Nothing has proved efficacious as medication. But to me, it's like all those things together. Also, therapy, depending on what's going on with your ADHD, we can, therapists do treat ADHD, but therapists treat ADHD and they do a lot of skill building and some acceptance. And that's wonderful. Uh, Coaches, ADHD coaching is an action learning model. It's a forward-focused, support-based, strength-based model. There is definitely acceptance work and you got and you live your life using the different things that you learn and come back and figure out to make sure that you're using them the way that work for you. And we have studies that ADHD coaching works. Some of the other things that some people try are that biofeedback or neurofeedback. From what I understand, they are helpful, but sometimes they're only helpful for a short term. So those are some of the things that help for especially adults with ADHD. Awesome. And I've worked with a coach before for business, but I think having a good coach, and obviously I think you'd be an amazing coach with your background. It's so helpful. I mean, I feel like you really are able to, a lot of times we kind of don't see the path forward or we don't notice things that are going on, or we feel like there's no solutions. And so being able to have a coach to work with you and 
I think especially what you explained with working on acceptance, working on building the skills, working on creating actionable goals, that just sounds life-changing. So of course, I'd recommend anyone who's listening to follow you, to check you out. My last question before you let everyone know where they can follow you is, what are some of your favorite tools and practices or routines that help you stay high vibe? I definitely believe in like the manifesting, right? So just to be on in that high vibe that, you know, we are here doing what we need to do and that, you know, things are working for us, not against us. And I think when you think that way, when things, you know, might not go quite right, it's a way to be able to get back uh, right where you need to be. Then for my, you know, I do that, but and then also I try to make sure that I get a good night's sleep. Sleep is kind of linchpin, you know, starting everything. Self-care is really huge. And I know um, many people think self-care is just a massage or getting your nails done. And I get those too, but that's your values and living in your values and putting up boundaries to me is really what self-care is. Having like a healthy reflective practice. That means that looking at the things that you have done or are doing and looking back with some self-compassion and saying, what are you doing right? And what are you doing that you might want to change up? And really being in that space of compassion for others and compassion for yourself. Like there's so many things that we see that go wrong that we want to focus on that. It's like focus on the things that are working well. I mean, I'm a coach that has a coach and I think everyone should have a coach because I think that, you know, you can move further faster with somebody that can really help you out in these things. I also meditate some and pray and those things, oh, and eat well. Right? So try to make sure that you're checking out yourself, you know, maybe hungry, angry, lonely, tired, too much of either of those things. So try to eat well. And when I do those things, generally it goes okay. <laughs> and at times when it doesn't go okay, I have a lot of self-compassion and going, ah, that's what happened today. And we'll pick it up again tomorrow. Exactly. I love that. Thank you so much. This is a great conversation and it's been awesome to have you on. Where can everyone follow you and how can they work with you? I am Inger Shea all over the place. So it's ingershay.com. That's my website at Inger Shea on all the socials. You can find me around there. And yeah, I have a free Facebook group for Black women with ADHD. It's Black women with ADHD executives and entrepreneurs. And as I said, I'm starting the Black ADHD coaching group. So it's T-I-B-A-C dot com. If you go on there, if you go on my website, it'll link it to you. But if not, if you go on T-A-B-A-C dot com, you can leave your information so that we, you know, we can get some information to you. Thank you so much. That was so great. know these three things are sabotaging your ability to live your high vibe life? First is living in disconnection, which basically means walking around with no awareness of your body, emotions, or values. And second is letting negative self-talk run the show in your brain. That's just going to make you doubt your potential and stop you from going after your dreams. Finally, 
is not having any supportive coping practices or self-care that doesn't take hours or cost tons of money. Because when you're living in chronic stress at home or work, the last thing that feels accessible is a spa day or a meditation retreat. We have personally struggled with all of these things, and that's why we created the body deck. This affirmation card deck has 77 intentionally designed beautiful cards to help you address all three of these high vibe killers in just a couple minutes a day. These affirmations will help you tune into your body and your inner world, practice positive self-talk, and best of all, it's super portable and affordable. For only $33, benefit from the transformative practice of affirmations anywhere you go. So if you're ready to stop the self-sabotage and start being the highest version of yourself, you'll definitely want to get your hands on the Body Deck Affirmation Cards. Head over to solea.co. That's S-O-U-L-E-A dot C-O to get the Body Deck Affirmation Cards today. You can also find the link in the show notes.